The Asylum, Part 1. After several attempts at reaching out for help via the police, crisis intervention, my local walking clinic, my family doctor, and several trips to the ER, was never seen. I would wait hours upon hours and my name would not be called. However, this night was different. I was determined to be seen in the ER on my own terms where I would be able to voluntarily admit myself to the hospital if needed. I checked in. There weren't even a dozen people in the waiting room. Hours had passed. Maybe another dozen or two came in. All three of the dozen were cycled through the emergency department before I was even called. I would then be called into the security office. I found this quite peculiar. I had never seen anyone be called into the security office before. I was told it was the head crisis nurse. He said he'd be around to get me in two minutes from the other side. I went back out into the waiting room. I sat and I waited. Five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20. After half an hour, I went to the nurse and I said, Look, I came in here saying I'm thinking I'm hurting myself. All these people have come after me and they've been seen. And yet I'm still sitting here. When I was told by that man I would be seen. The nurse had no idea which man I was talking about. I said, well, I'm thinking I'm leaving then. She said, that's too bad baffled me. I, I was telling her I was thinking on hurting myself and that I was leaving it because I was not being treated with any care. And her response was, oh, that's too bad. And she let me walk out. I walked home that evening. Still filled with mixed emotions. Many parts I'm not sure happened, or I'm not sure if they happened during that visit, so I'll leave them out of this chapter. But I got home, no one was there waiting for me. No one showed up to bring me back to the hospital. I went to bed. I woke up the next morning in such pain, such agony, I was crying. I was bawling my eyes out. The screeching, the ringing, the crickets, whatever sound it was, I couldn't bear it, and I was woken to it. 
so I jumped out of bed and went straight to my dealer's house. I grabbed a pile of speed, went home. As I turned the corner, I saw two police cars sitting outside my apartment. I knew right then and there, they were there for me. As I got closer to the door, I noticed it was open. I'm not sure if I had left it open or if it was just unlocked, but they had helped themselves and let themselves in. I said, that's no problem. It didn't bother me. They were very cordial. They said, we're, we're sorry. We're not sure why we weren't called last night, but we're here now and we've been instructed to take you back to the hospital if that's okay. I said, sure. I asked if I could change my clothes. And they allowed me to. I went up into my bedroom. I stashed my pile of speed. I kept four tablets on me. And me and the two officers went to the hospital. We waited in the family room special room where I was seen by a doctor, later a psychiatrist and a student, and it was determined that I would be involuntarily held for 72 hours. This was in spite of the fact that I was there the evening before trying to be voluntarily held. Position on my back. They 
beautiful EKG where they attach 20 electrodes to my body. I could hear the doctors talking 10 feet outside my door. They were talking about me. And I was sitting right there thinking, are you stupid? I'm right here. Of course I can hear you. However, of course I kept that those thoughts to myself and just continued to listen. After a good eight hours, they had an ambulance pick me up and bring me to the psychiatric hospital, which would come to be known as the asylum. We were met there by the security guard who announced there were new protocols. Due to COVID, the fifth floor would require a passcode for the elevator to leave. Not for any other floor, just the fifth floor. The COVID floor, as they called it. I remember going up there, being interviewed, just wanted to shower. Seeing three other patients it wouldn't be much longer after that when I walked back into the dining room and one of the three, the girl, was crying. I overheard her say something about how he was the only normal one here. And she seemed to be having a nervous breakdown. I wouldn't see her again for a week, just passing by once. It was as if they hid her away or moved her to a different floor. I remember going to bed that night. It was like my worst nightmare. I was sharing a room with three other patients. And I had had bad experiences in the past with roommates. As the fourth roommate entered the room to, to retire to bed, he mumbled, Good night, prisoner. I thought, Is he speaking to me? Everyone else's curtains closed. I was the only one he could see. Good night, prisoner. That was it. Jumping back a few hours. When I went from the family room to my special room in the ER, I had the privilege to have some privacy to change from my street clothes into my hospital clothes. At that point, I decided to ingest the four tablets of speed I had smuggled in to the hospital with me. This would have been around three, four o'clock maybe in the afternoon. So I knew I wouldn't sleep that night. I picked up a book and I tried reading it. A couple hours after the lights out went by, a nurse came and 
told me to follow her. She brought me to a private room. This was a very odd private room. It had the same sensors and lights on the ceiling as the ER room, but not the same as the other rooms in the hospital. I didn't care. I had a vent to provide me with white noise. I had my privacy. I had darkness. I still knew I wouldn't sleep, so I stayed up reading my book with a dim light shining through the one window where the curtain had to remain open as the nurses would come by once every hour to check on the patients. Around 4 a.m. I was instructed I should go to bed. I laid down, I tossed and I turned. Sleep didn't come. I awoke as soon as I could, as soon as I, I knew we were allowed to be awake. As soon as I seen other patients walking around. It wouldn't be much longer until breakfast came and I'd start to understand how the process worked. There were no instructions given, no directions provided. Simply drug you and warehouse you. There was nothing therapeutic about this day. It was September 22nd, 2020 when I was admitted for the first time. I was to be released September 25th at 9.30 a.m. My birthday. At 9.10 a.m. on September 25th, my birthday, my psychiatrist called me aside and handed me a paper. It was a two-week extension on the involuntary hold. Happy birthday, I thought. Get two more weeks in the asylum. It all just seemed like one big cruel joke. How could all of this happen? So, there was nothing I could do or say. I kept to myself. zero involvement with other patients. Some of them wouldn't leave me alone. In hindsight, I'm thankful for them. It was like they didn't give up. They kept trying to be friendly. And I kept trying to be a dick. I kept brushing them aside, even telling them I don't want to talk. Everyone unique individual. 
I came to enjoy listening to some of them talk at lunch. I even enjoyed being pestered the odd time. placed on a drug called Zyprexa. This was a little green pill. It was an antipsychotic. And from the first day I took it, I woke up feeling like a zombie. I couldn't move. I could barely think. I could barely walk. I felt like I was slobbering. placed me on a drug that essentially numbed every aspect of what made me human. It turned me into the living dead. After being given a two-week extension, I decided to challenge that. It was not done in a timely manner as they said it should have been. It took them six days to contact me and give me advice. There was a tribunal set where there was going to be a hearing as to whether or not the involuntary extension would be held up. The day before the tribunal, my doctor, Dr. Valeri, pulled me aside and said he's changing my status from involuntary to voluntary. He said he was doing this because he knew there was no way that the board would allow them allow him, sorry, to to continue to hold me involuntarily. He recommended I stay for a couple more days, but I had already been there for 15. In fact, the first eight days there, they did not let me outside. Eight entire days, eight mornings, eight afternoons, eight nights. Well, everyone else got to go outside for their fresh air walks. I had to stay inside. Eight days. On the ninth day, I got to go for a walk. I thought, wouldn't it be a neat experience to be able to say I ran away from an insane asylum and quickly brushed it off my mind. However, the next day, just as I finished my first lap, I had already planned it out. 
when and where I would run. I knew I wouldn't get far. I thought maybe I'd make it home. They'd come pick me up. So I ran into the bush. I ripped off my bracelet in case there was any kind of a tracking device. It was a very thick bracelet, not like the regular hospital one. It was green to identify you as a psychiatric patient, whereas regular hospital bracelets are yellow. Just like the clothes, our hospital pajamas were yellow, indicating as you were a psychiatric patient. So I ran into the bush and I sat and I ran and I sat and I ran and I sat and I didn't know what to do. I made it out to a street and then walked down to a dead end street. However, it was still only early October. So the water was too cold to swim and not frozen enough to walk on. I turned back and went into the bush and kept walking. I thought I made some distance, but as it turns out, all I did was walk in a circle around the property, getting to a point where I noticed a police SUV sitting on the road. So I casually walked out in front of it. The vehicle then approached me a bit closer I stopped and turned around. The man asked, no, no, actually, he pulled up beside me and undid his window, asked me my name. I said, Dan St. John. He said, hop in. So I hopped in the back. He thanked me for being cooperative. He was on the radio with the nurses when I couldn't believe what I heard the nurse shouting we don't want him back here don't bring him back here and the police officer replying well we're not a taxi service so what do you want us to do with him well, we don't want him back again was the reply Okay, well, I'll check with my supervisor, said the police officer. So I pulled into the parking lot. They had a meeting. Or I guess they came to the conclusion that I would return to the psychiatric hospital. The fifth floor. The COVID floor. As I was met at the entrance the nurse, one of my favorite nurses, congratulated me. She, she said she couldn't blame me for running after they kept me inside for all that time. I had to at least try. I think she was sincere in what she said. However, I'll never really know.
This marks the end of part one of the asylum, part one, maybe part two to follow.